Okay. Welcome everyone. Beruchim Abayim. We are continuing our study of Simha. We're in class number 94. We are up to the word in the Amidah, Hagibor. Before we get into this word, Hagibor, we need to focus on a very important question. A very relevant question. It may seem like a simple question at first, but it's not quite that simple. The question is, is a person able to change who they are? Can a person change their essence, their nature? Or is this something beyond the capability of a person? Do not rush to answer this question. We're going to need a long time just to understand the question. A person who's lazy by nature. I mean, we're all lazy by nature. But a person is extra lazy. Is he able to change and become a person with zirizut? A person by nature who's uh, afraid. Can he become a person of courage? A person by nature who is overtaken by desires, can't control himself. Is he able to be a person of self-control? A person of arrogance, can they become humble? A person who is easily angered, can they be patient and calm? And many more Midot, can a person change who they are? Let me first tell you what we're not asking to make sure we have clear what the question is. The question is not, can a person control their actions? That is not the question. The answer to that question is very obvious and very, very clear. That a person is in complete control of their acts. How do I know that? From different sources. The first source is from the person himself. Every person knows that when they make a decision, they have choices. And they have the ability to choose one direction or another. It's something we do all the time. We sometimes make the wrong decisions and we know it. Sometimes we don't know it, but we knew we made it. Sometimes we make the right decisions and we're excited about it. And we struggled very often to make that decision, whether we got it right or wrong. So clearly we felt in control of what we were going to do. Am I going or am I not going? Am I going to wear that or I'm not going to wear that? Am I going to say it or I'm not going to say it? Should I tell her? I'm not going to tell her. 
Even if you ended up saying the wrong thing, but you knew that you were struggling with that decision. Clearly, our actions are within our control. So that is not the question. Another, by the way, source, in case that's not enough, is the Torah itself. The fact that we are given mitzvot to do or not to do, that in itself is a clear demonstration that we are capable of deciding what to do or not to do. Otherwise, it would be accusing the creator of the world of such an evil that he would create people and he would tell them what to do or what not to do and it's not even in their hands. Could you imagine a greater evil that someone is punished because they weren't able to fly? Or someone is thrown out of a school because they weren't able to get to school on time that day because the streets were blocked. That would be considered an evil. If you would punish somebody for something they couldn't have done, we would call that in our world an evil act. If we don't believe that our actions are within our hands, so in essence we're accusing the creator of the world of basically being evil, God forbid. Because he gave us all these things that we should do or not do. And obviously we can control that. There's a pasuk in Mishle that's actually brought down in Halakha. The pasuk says, Lo'eg larash, a person who mocks a needy person, a poor person. If you mock a person who is needy, I mean, it's bad enough that he's suffering, but now also, Lo'eg, you make fun of him. Heref osehu, you're actually you're ridiculing his creator. He is that way because the creator made him that way. This actually is halakha. Halakha lima'aseh. Where does this apply in halakha? Besides that you shouldn't make fun of people who are missing something, whether they're missing money or something physically or anything else. The halakha says it's brought down a masechet berachot. That a person is not allowed to walk in a cemetery with tefillin in his, on his head, sefer Torah on his arms, and he's reading. Person is not allowed to walk with sisit out in a cemetery. Why not? Why can't I have my sisit out in a cemetery? So it says the Gemara, because you're transgressing this pasuk, lo'eg larash, you're mocking those who are not able to do something. Who am I mocking? In the cemetery. You're mocking the people in the grave. They're not able to do a mitzvah. They can't put on tefillin. They can't learn Torah. They cannot wear seats. So you're showing them all these mitzvot. It's considered a mockery that you're making of them. So you have to be very careful around people that don't have something that you shouldn't do something 
to belittle them. That's what, would, that's what the Creator would be guilty of, God forbid, if He gave us mitzvot and we can't do it. So basically, He's making fun of us. He's not only, he not only made us unable to do something, He even mocks us by telling us to try to do it when He knows that we can't. So God forbid we should accuse the kind Creator, who is the Father of all kindness, of such horrible actions. Sometimes we feel that way. We have to be careful. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I can't do that. That's too much. It's not possible. You have to remember, every time you think that, it's a mistake. Anytime you think that a mitzvah is over your head or something you're not able to do or something you can't stay away from, anytime a person thinks that, he has to remind himself, this is a mistake. It has to be that you could do it. Otherwise, they would never be able to tell you you should do it. You can never be held accountable for something that you can't do. And if that's not enough, we have an explicit pasuk in the Torah. It says in the end of Sefer Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu tells us at the end of his life, Re'eh natati lifnechem hayom. He says, look, listen good. I have placed before you today et ha-hayim ve'et ha-tov. I'm giving you on your menu, there are two plates. There's the plate, what's on it is Hayim. Hayim is not just a life of breathing. Hayim is a life that's full of life. And Tov, and sweet, beautiful life. You have a great, sweet life on one plate. The other plate is Ve'et HaMavet Ve'et hara. The other plate has Death and not such good taste. So life has two options. You could take two roads in life. The road of Hayim and Tov or the road of Mavet and Ra. Neither one are easy, by the way. But one of them is sweet and beautiful. And one is Gehinam. Not in the next world, in this world. So you have two choices. I met somebody some time ago who was involved in not such great things and was suffering. So I told him, there's good news and bad news. I said, the good news is there's nothing wrong with you. You're a normal person. I said, the bad news, you're on the wrong road. On the road that you're on, that's what happens. There's, there's, there's a simple answer. Because he's thinking, what's wrong with me? Why am I suffering? Why am I hurting? I said, there's nothing wrong with you. You chose that menu. If you chose that menu, if you choose that, then then you have to suffer the consequences. Says the creator of the world, in this world that we're in, there are two plates. You have to decide which one to order. But surprisingly, after he gives us the menu, you know, it's good to know the menu. We wouldn't have known the menu on our own. But now that he told us the menu, then he says something else which would seem to be a little bit insulting. He says, Ubaharta. So let me tell you what to choose. 
I think I would be insulted by that. If someone told me, well, here's poison, and here is the most awesome food. So let me, let me help you. Let me help you choose. I think you should choose that one. Don't choose the poison. That would be insulting. It seems that the Creator is insulting us when He says, by giving us the menu that's not insulting, that's information. But then He says, You should choose life. Of course I would choose life. Who would choose pain and death over life and sweetness? What, what, what's going on here? Who is the Torah speaking to when it says, Who thought otherwise? Could be the answer is that although we see the menu in front of us, there are times in life or situations in life that a person may actually feel that he knows maybe it's not good, he knows it's not right, but there's nothing that he could do. Sometimes in life we feel helpless. We feel it's beyond our ability to do something or to stay away from something. I think everybody listening knows what that feeling feels like. Maybe you still have it. Maybe you had it when you were younger. But there is such a reality where a person knows what's right or knows what's wrong and just doesn't have the ability, can't do it. Comes the Torah and says, no. Hashem says to you, it's not true. Don't listen to that voice. It's not emet. It's your choice. When you want to choose, you can choose. Never think it's beyond you. I wouldn't put you in a place that you couldn't handle. So there you have it, clear. Can a person control their actions? Yes. Everybody feels it. It's obvious if we're held accountable that we can. And the Torah outright tells us, You choose. Never feel that something is beyond you. Say, I don't want to do it. That, that's okay. Don't say, I can't do it. There's no such thing as you can't do it if the Creator tells you you could do it. You don't want to do it? Say that. Why is that better? Because if you say, I can't, then for the rest of your life, you will not, and you won't even feel bad about it. And you'll suffer the consequences by thinking, what can I do? I'm a victim. If you say, I don't want, then maybe one day you'll say, you know what? I want. I changed my mind. I think I want to do it. Never say when it comes to mitzvot or averot that I can't. Saying I can't is basically going against the word of the Creator. The Creator says you can and you should. Make a choice. Baharta, choose. Don't say I can't do it. <clears throat> the Rambam actually addresses this in Hilchot Teshuvah. The Rambam says, Reshut lekol adam netuna, which means every person has the permission, which means has the right and the ability. Imratza, if he wants. See that word? Imratza, if you want. Lehatot atzmo le derech tova. You can go the right way. 
Sadiq, he later on says, you could be as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. Each person can. Hareshut beyado. It's up to you. Ve'imratsa, and if he wants, again, same word, lehatot atzmo, lederech ra'ah, you want to go off, you want to go totally off, you want to go half off, a quarter off, whatever off you want to go to, you can. Reshut beyado. You can be you could be from the worst humans that ever lived on the planet. It's up to you. Sometimes people feel because they're suffering that they have the right to say whatever they want. They'll say something like, Well, you know I'm suffering. So you understand. So it's true. I have to understand when a person is suffering. That's true. The recipient has to understand. But it's not a license for someone suffering to say whatever they want or do whatever they want. Sometimes in life we feel that we're not in control. We feel we just can't do it. It's not up to us. Look, look how I grew up. I didn't grow up in the house of righteous people. My father was a drug addict. My mother was this. I didn't even have a father and mother. I didn't go to yeshiva. My teachers were horrible. Nobody paid attention to me. I had a very rough upbringing. I was bullied my whole life. How many things can a person bring up in their life to excuse themselves why they're not the great person that they are destined to be? Answer is, because not their fault. What can I do? I'm a regular person. I didn't grow up in during this time. I didn't grow up with the right community. I didn't grow up with the right rabbi. These are all excuses. The Rambam says there's no such thing. At the end of the day, everybody has the ability to make the right choice. Not always do we know the right information. That's true. Sometimes a person could be ignorant. Sometimes you could be a tinok shenishba. You could be a child that was taken into captivity, lo alenu, and you could wake up at 20, not even know anything. Of course, that could be. You could be a person who doesn't know what to do. Ignorance can be, and sometimes not your fault. But never can a person say, I can't do something. That is kefira. That's going against and arguing with the creator of the world. <clears throat> How about words? Are we in control of our words? Our actions, we've clearly showed that yes. Words may be a little bit more difficult. Sometimes they just come out of our mouth without us realizing. The answer to that question is absolutely we are in control of our words. Gemara says in Masechet Hulin, Ma umanuto shel adam ba'olam hazeh Ma umanuto shel adam ba'olam hazeh says the Gemara yasim atzmo ke'ilem What is the trade meaning what should we develop ourselves to be able to do in this world that we should be like a mute a mute of course is someone who cannot talk it doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk 
it means that there are times in life where we have to control our mouth and we can't talk even though we really, really want to. We have something very juicy, something very nice, something very exciting, something that will earn us either respect or will earn us a good time. A person needs to know how to control his mouth. Clearly, we can control our mouth. Shlomo Melech says, Mavet v'chayim beyad lashon. Which means, not only is the mouth controllable, but actually, mavet and chayim, life and death that we spoke about before, is beyad lashon. Which means, your, your, our mouth has a lot to do with what we become in life. What we speak has a huge, huge strength on what we end up becoming in life. The right way or the wrong way. So clearly, what we say is within our ability. So we're not asking, can a person control his mouth? Answer is, of course. How about thoughts? Are we in control of our thoughts? Is that something that we can guide, handle, or it's something that we just have to live with? The answer is that a person is in control of his thoughts as well. And again, every person knows that this is true because when something comes into your mind, you may not be always in control of what pops into your mind. Sometimes that's not always in our hands. We don't choose necessarily the things that come up in our minds. But everybody knows that when things do come up, you could either take your mind and go elsewhere, open a sefer, open a book, get on the phone, do something else, think about something else, start writing something. Or you can take the thought and you could plow it and you could plant it and you can water it and you could make it something much bigger than where it started. It's our choice. What you do with your thoughts is a choice. Again, not always can you control what comes in, but you certainly can control what you do with it when it's there. One of the proofs to this in the Torah is a mitzvah in the Torah that says, Lo tisna et which means you're not allowed to hate another person. You can't hate people. But hate is not an action. I didn't do anything. Hate is not words. I didn't say anything. I was very nice to the person. I did the guy wonderful kindness. I just hate him. Just in my heart. I didn't, I didn't do anything. Torah says, guilty. You're not allowed to hate people. But hating is in my heart. It's in my thoughts. Yes, you can control your thoughts. There is a way not to hate somebody. So it is within our ability to hate or even to love. Gotta love people. Someone blessed me last week that I should always be around people who I love. I told him I'd rather get the blessing that I should be able to love all the people that I'm around. Because it's a lot easier. You, you 
you have an obligation to love people. How could you obligate me to love if it's not in my hand? The answer is, it is in your hands. It's in our hands to love another person. We may think that seems really, that really pro- answer is yes, it's possible. If the Torah says it's possible, it's possible. So you can't hate, you have to love. Lotahamod, the Torah says. You can't be jealous. You can't be jealous of other people and what they have. But you'll say, but what should I do? I'm jealous. What can I tell you? She got married, I didn't get married. She has a child, I don't have a child. She has a house, I don't have a house. I'm jealous. I wish I was not jealous. I don't want to be jealous. But I'm jealous. Torah says it's within your ability. It doesn't mean that you just have to flick your fingers and it's gone. There may be a way to do it. But you have the ability to do it. You're not in jail when it comes to your thoughts. You are capable of changing your thoughts. You're capable of changing even your feelings. That you see clearly in the Torah. Now there can be, God forbid, a very sick person that needs refuah, needs help, needs doctors to figure out how they can guide their mind into the right places and the right thoughts. I'm not talking about extreme cases. But normal people have the ability to control their mind. There's a story of a, uh, of a certain Hasid. And uh, one time at 2 in the morning, he runs to his rabbi's house, his rebbe, wants to see his rabbi at 2 in the morning, and he knocks on the door, and nobody's answering. The rabbi looks out the window, he sees who's knocking on the door, he sees his prized Talmud at 2 a.m. Who's knocking at 2 a.m.? What kind of Talmudim are knocking at 2 a.m.? He looks, he sees, he sees who it is. The rabbi goes back to sleep, goes back to learn, whatever it is, doesn't answer. So this Talmud, this Hasid, he realizes the rabbi didn't open the door. He saw him, he didn't open the door. So he figures there's a reason. So he slept outside. He waited. When, when the rabbi was leaving, four, five, six o'clock, whatever it is. So he laid down on the floor, went to sleep. Comes the morning, the rabbi opens the door. He says, oh, he says, Baruch Abba, how are you doing? He says, uh, Rabbi, I have a question for you, a very important question. He says, uh, I already answered you. He says, how could you answer me? I didn't ask yet. He says, listen, you didn't ask, I already answered you. He's very confused, obviously. What is he talking about? When, I didn't ask. How did he answer me? He says, okay, go. Ask. I'll show you. So the Hasid says, Rabbi, I can't tell you. Last night, I'm going to sleep for two hours. I'm twisting and turning. I can't. My thoughts and thoughts are here. My thoughts are there. I can't. I'm not able to be mitgaber. I'm not able to have control over my thoughts. What should I do? He says, Rabbi, I already answered you. Somebody who's a balabait, if you're a balabait, if you're the owner of the house, you can decide who walks in, who walks out. You knocked on my door, I don't let you in. See that? I'm the balabait. If you're a balabait of yourself, you can control who walks in and who walks out. That's the answer. So that's a cute story, but it really 
is that way, even though for some people and some situations it may not feel that way. But it is that way. We are in control of our thoughts. Again, there are things that pop in. Yes, those may not be in our control. There are dreams that we have, may not be in our control. It could be we could do things beforehand that those things don't happen. It's a different class. But at the end of the day, we are definitely in control of what we do going forward. So that's not the question. That's not today's question. Today's question is not can we control our thoughts because we certainly can. So again, one more time. We're not asking if we are able to change our actions. We're not asking if we're able to change our words. And we're not asking are we able to change our thoughts. So what are we asking when we started this class and we said, is a person able to change their nature? What are we asking then? Because all those questions are already answered. Simple. Yes, yes, yes. Here's the hard question. The question we're asking today is, can a person change their essence? Can a person change their character? Meaning, meaning, a person who is angry by nature, when someone does something not to their liking, they start heating up. When they're heated up, they can throw things, they can break things, they can say things. So we already clarified that breaking things, throwing things, saying things are definitely within our ability and capability. We're not asking that question. Even if you're angry, you can control yourself. The question that we're asking today is, can we change our nature that we won't even get angry? That's the question. A person who is by nature very cheap, they, they, they don't like spending money. Can they splurge? Uh, yes, they can. That's not today's question. Today's question is, can they change who they are? Can they be this open giver, kind-hearted, giving with everything that they have? That is the question. That's not so easy to answer. You know, we're born with many characteristics. Just to, I want to make sure we understand how important this question is. Because for most people, and I don't say that in a, in, 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 not in a haughty way, because I, I, might, I might be one of those people. I hope not. I'm trying to work not to be those people. But for many, many people in this world, the way they're born is the way they die. They wake up, and they're this angry little child. Someone takes away something from them, even when they're two months old, and you see them rotea, burning, they're boiling. They're very cute, 
at that age of two months or three months, but already you see anger. They don't like when someone doesn't take care of their needs. If they're hungry and nobody's answering, they start kicking and doing anything they're, they're, they're capable of. That child doesn't change. He becomes a bigger child. He goes to school and he's playing with a toy and someone takes their toy. Get ready for a punch or something is going to happen. An outburst. That little angry kid in the crib is angry in kindergarten. And when it comes to high school, he's the same angry kid, just showing it in different ways. And that same angry person is angry when they get married. And they're an angry father or an angry mother. And they're angry at 60. They're 80 years old and they're still angry. Again, maybe they know how to camouflage it better. As we get older, we get smarter. We don't become better as we get older. We get smarter. So maybe before we would just throw a temperature tantrum anywhere. When we get older, we don't do it anywhere. We only do it in specific places. We make sure that it's safe. We only go for security zones. And then we're able to let it out. We can show anger in different ways that may not look like anger. But in reality, the little child in the crib with all his anger is the same one at their funeral. They didn't change. They got smarter. They knew how to camouflage it. They knew how to work around it. But most people don't change. Anger is only one example, obviously. There are many examples. A person who's stingy. There are people that are born that way. They just, they just can't give. They make, 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 and it's hard for them to give. And even when they give, it's like tearing skin off their back. They can't do it. It's very hard for them. It stays with them their whole life. It doesn't change. Again, they get smarter with it. They'll give charity in certain situations because they have no choice. Otherwise, they look like they're... But they're still that same person. Day to day, they didn't change. They haven't changed this not-so-good characteristic. I saw a story about a very stingy person who's known in the city to be very stingy, and his son was worse than him. I guess kids take after their father sometimes. And his father passed away. And it was, well, they were watching the body. So they put him on the floor. And the kid was there. And all of a sudden, they see the kid is putting his finger under the body of his father. He's like looking for something. Somebody was there and asked him, well, what are you looking for? He says, well, we put the body down. One of the, I have a nice uh, button for my jacket. It fell. So I think it was there. The guy asked him, you think now is the time to look for your button? He says, well, you think a button is not worth anything? What do you think? Everything has value in this world. Of 
course, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, you could build a philosophy on anything. But at the end of the day, a stingy person stays stingy in all places, in all situations, in all ages. A person who can't control himself when they're young, they're not going to control themselves when they're older. Again, it'll come out in different ways, but a lack of control of desires is not something that you wake up one day and it's gone. It's not like that. Arrogance doesn't change. Jealousy doesn't change. You see a little child jealous. Why his brother got that toy? Why you put them on your lap and not him? Very, very jealous. That picture doesn't change ever. It will be continuing that way. They're 70 years old and they're still jealous why their friends are making more money than they are. Nothing changes. Do not ever think that because people age and people have all of a sudden new color on their hair that they became bale midotovot. That now they have good character. It is a fact that it's not true. It could be they have more chokhmah, could be. could be they have more experience. But they, the character of a person does not change as the person grows. It's a real problem. You know who struggled with this problem? His name was Iyov. The Gemara says in Masechet Bababatra that the great Iyov, who the Tanakh calls him a tzaddik, a person who was complete and sarmera, stayed away from anything bad. So the Gemara says in Masechet Bababatra that Iyov, he was attempting to be the lawyer, the defense lawyer for all of mankind. He wanted to defend us by coming in front of the Creator and giving an argument why we shouldn't be held accountable for what we do in this world. What could he possibly say? So it says the Gemara, he says, Ribbono shel olam, master of the universe. Barata shor. Imagine Iyov standing up in the courtroom in front of the Creator. He says, Barata Shor, you created an ox. Parsotav Sedukot. The ox, his feet are <clears throat> split. Barata Hamor, you created a donkey. Parsotav Klutot, his foot, his feet are one piece. There's no split in his feet. Of course, we know shor is kosher. Sign of kosher is split hooves. And the hamor is not kosher. He doesn't have split hooves. He tells Hashem, you made a shor. You made a hamor. Barata tzadikim, barata reshaim. You created great people, righteous people. You created horrible people, reshaim. Mi me'akev al yadecha. Who is able to hold back what you did? Seemingly, from his question, it seems like Iov didn't know about free choice. He's telling God, listen, the same way a hamor 
can't be a shor, and a shor can't be a hamor. What do you want? You made the guy a tzaddik. He can't be a rasha. A rasha can't be a tzaddik. It's natural to them. But it's obvious that Iyov could not have thought there's no free choice in the world, as we already explained. Iyov is a great man. Every court of justice around the world is an open declaration that there is free choice. How could you judge somebody if they have no free choice? So Iyov didn't know about free choice. He was a tzaddik, he was righteous, he was a person who was complete. He didn't know there's free choice. What kind of tzaddik is that? Of course, Iyov knew that you can control your actions, you can control your thoughts, you can control your words. He knew all that. But perhaps what Iyov was bothered with was, there's one thing you cannot hold, hold humans accountable for, and that is their character. You created this child. He's an angry person. Nobody taught him that. He's angry. So as he stays angry his whole life and acts with anger, so acting maybe Eov could understand, but the anger part of it, the desire part of it, what do you want from the guy? That's how you made him. Seems, or at least we could explain, that Eov, when it came to our question today, he says, there's no way that a human can change who they are. And if they can't change who they are, so you can't hold them accountable. That was the question of Iyov. Before we answer this question, can we change who we are? I think it's important to first just to learn, how did we become who we are? Why is it that we are who we are? How did that happen? We have a thousand humans in one room. They all have the same makeup with the same basar vadam. Yet, somehow, each one has some differences about who they are. How did that happen? Is it a random lottery? Is it something that the person did? How is it that we are different from each other in our character? So I will tell you there are a few different things to consider of how this happens. Number one, the way we're born. It's that simple. From the minute we're born, we are given certain characteristics that were from heaven. Hashem chooses who He's going to give more compassion to, more cruelty to, more calmness to, more anger to. And you see it with little babies. They're a week old. One baby who's a week old, they could be twins. One baby's hungry. Mother comes over to him, sings a few words to him, puts her hand on him. He's quiet. Very beautiful, nice kid. His brother, he gets hungry. Doesn't care if you sing, doesn't care if you take him to a concert. Doesn't care if you slap them in anywhere in his body. He doesn't care. He's yelling and screaming and turning red and blue and all the colors. The other guy is okay. He's waiting. He's patient. He's also hungry. It's a reality. You see it every day. 
How much did these kids learn? They're twins. They grew up in the same house. They're just born. Answer is that part of our character we get right when we're born. But there's more. When a person is born, he's born into a world. Not every person is world is born into the same world, obviously. <laughs> a different time, a different home, a different city. That very much has an effect on the child, even though it's not his fault. Meaning, if you grew up in a home where people are always yelling and screaming, it's going to have an effect on you. It's going to change your character. If you're born around calm people, so it's going to affect your character. Again, it's not your fault one way or the other, but that's the way it is. In reality, where you're brought up is going to influence your character. That's number two. So besides that they gave you a certain characteristic, further, it's being groomed one way or the other while you're growing up. And then there's a third place. The third place is as we grow up, we're also being affected by the surroundings that we decide to be around. It's our choice. If we sit around people who are always complaining, so part of our character is going to be to want to complain. And if we sit around people who are all day appreciative and thankful, so we will be that way. If you sit around with people who all they talk about is sports, so that will be become, become part of your soul. And if people talk the Vre Torah, and that will become part of your soul. So where you surround yourself, like the Pasuk says, Holech et hachamim yehkam. You spend your time with wise people. By the nature of just being around them, you will become wise. Vero'e kesilim yeroa. And the one who is friendly and spends time with fools will become like them. So this is different than the first two. The first two wasn't your choice. It wasn't choice the way that you were born. It wasn't your choice where you ended up and who surrounded you. The third one is our choice. But bottom line, these three areas is what makes an effect on a person's character. So back to the question. Can a person change their character? Can I become calm after I have lived 50 years heated, angry, when anyone did something not to my liking? The Rambam says with absolute optimism that Yes, he says you can change your character. That's what he writes in his famous Sefer, Shimona Prakim. He says that the essence, your character, is not eternal. Unlike some philosophers out there in the world, that say that the character of a person is his lot in life. It's his destiny. Like people say all the time, you hear that. He is who he is. Never going to change. Can't change. Not possible. All kinds of sayings. 
about how people are really not able to change. Unfortunately, the world proves them that they're right because there are so few people that actually change. It almost feels like a reality. A scorpion is a scorpion. It is what it is. People have all kinds of sayings. And they're usually right. Not because a person can't change. Because hardly anyone changes. And therefore it almost feels that way. But says the Rambam, it's not true. Clearly we have challenges. Clearly we have to hurdle above things to get there. But absolutely, says the Rambam, you can go from being stingy to being a giver. You can go from being cruel to being compassionate. You can go from being arrogant to being humble. You can go from being out of control, can't control their desires, to the opposite. You can go from angry to calm. Again, not actions. Your character, you can change. Unbelievable. We would have thought maybe it's not possible. Rambam says absolutely possible. It's good to know this. It gives everybody hope. Because ultimately, what we suffer most from is our character. Most of our actions really are emanating from our character. If we have a key to our character, we have a key to our success and everything. So good to know this, that yes, we can change our character. You're not stuck being a person who's always afraid. You're not stuck that way. You're not stuck to be this kind of this and this kind of that. You're not stuck. Jealousy, you're not stuck. I'd like to bring a proof to the Rambam. The Rambam is obvious in the Torah. You know, we find in the Torah that we're supposed to emulate the Creator. The Pasuk says, Ahare Adonai Elohechem Telechu. You should follow Hashem. The Gemara Masechet Sota says, How is it possible to follow Hashem? Hashem is like fire, I mean it's spiritual. You can't, we're physical. How could you follow Hashem? How could you be like Hashem? Ella says the Gemara, to follow his midot. And the Gemara gives examples. Just like he put clothing on those who need it. Like we see by Adam and his wife. Where Hashem made them leather clothing. So you also, when you find people that need clothing, you make sure to put clothes on them. Buy them clothing. This is a very relevant halakha, by the way. Don't think this is only for Adam and Hava. There are many people within our circles that don't have clothing. I mean, they don't walk around without clothing, but they don't really have clothing. Clothing, as you know, is expensive. Shoes, you have children, you have multiple children. Girls have to get dressed. Mothers have to get dressed. 
There are people who simply can't afford it. They're living from month to month, just basically eating. They can't afford it. But there are people out there that actually think about those who don't have clothing. I know people that spend, really, holiday time, they spend weeks and months figuring out how to make sure every single person in our community has clothing to wear, something nice to show others on the holiday. That's a mitzvah. Where do we learn that from? From Hashem. Just by the way, total side point. This is just an open parenthesis. Notice when Hashem gave clothing to Adam and Hava. When did He give it to them? When they just sinned. He told them, after He created the whole, could you imagine how disappointing? God made the whole world. He made Adam and Hava the first day of creation. On Friday, He made them, He just told them, listen, enjoy the world. Enjoy everything. Do me a favor, just don't eat from that tree. What do they do? They eat from that tree. Not, not a week later, not a month later, the same day. Now, you know how disappointing that is? How many times did that happen to you? When you told someone that you did a favor for, you told your son, your daughter, someone that you've done so much for, just do me, just don't do this. And they do it. You, you, want, it, you want it out of your mind. What does Hashem do at that moment? He makes them clothing, kindness. And by the way, what's the reason why they need clothing to begin with? Whose fault is that that they need clothing? Them. They don't need clothing. The only reason why they need their clothing is because they messed up. You know how many times in life we do that? We say, well, they messed up, so it's their problem. Okay, they messed up, but now they need help. I know, but they put themselves in that mess. So yes, there are situations where if you help someone, it's going to get them more in a mess. That's a problem. But just because a person messed up and put themselves in a mess, that doesn't mean you shouldn't help them. The creator of the world, here the Gemara is telling you, an example, when did Hashem give clothing to Adam and Hava? When they didn't listen to Him and when they were the cause of why they needed clothing. It's not an excuse to say, well, they put themselves in that situation. It doesn't matter. Right now, the reality is they need your help. The Gemara says, other examples. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Biker Cholim. Hashem visited those who are sick. Where do we see that? It says by Abraham Avinu. Vayera elav Adonai Mamre. Hashem appeared to Abraham in the plains of Mamre. What did he tell him? Usually when Hashem appears to someone, he tells him something. He says, go here, do this. Here, nothing. There's nothing. There's, Hashem doesn't talk to him. Hazal tell us because this was not a visit to tell him something. It was a visit of Bikur Holim. It was a visit of someone who is not feeling well. You don't have to say anything. Just go visit them. So Hashem says to us, Af So you also visit those who are sick. Gemara gives another example. HaKadosh Baruch Nihem Avelim. He actually went to visit a mourner. To console mourners. Where? Tikhtiv. Vayhi ahare mot Avraham. After the death of Abraham, Vaybarech Elohim et Yitzhak Beno. Right away, Hashem went to Yitzhak Beno to bless him. Afatani Ham Nahem Avelim. So you also go 
to the mourners and visit them and bless them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavar Metim. He went ahead and he buried those who are dead. Who is that? Like we see, Vayikvoroto Bagai by Moshe Rabbeinu. Af Atakevor Metim. If you have that mitzvah available to you, you also do it. So you see from this Gemara, from this Pasuk, that we're supposed to follow Hashem's ways. But this is not really a good source for the Rambam. Because all of the things I just mentioned to you are actions. You put clothing on somebody. You visited somebody who was sick. You went to console Avelim. You buried somebody. These are all actions. So what's the source? The source... By the way, just on that subject, the Pasuk says, Hishamir lecha, it's a mitzvah in the Torah. Be careful. Pen tishkah et Adonai Elohecha. Don't forget Hashem. Now, why do we have to remember Hashem all the time? What does that mean? Be careful. Don't forget Hashem. Says Rabbein Yonah, because your whole life is supposed to emulate Hashem. Don't forget Him, because if you forget Him, you'll forget who He is, and then you won't be able to do what's right in your life. Always remember who Hashem is and what He does, so that you can emulate Him. That's why there's a book called Tomer Devorah. Tomer Devorah goes into the 13 attributes of the Creator and teaches us how a person is supposed to emulate Hashem in his... <clears throat> in the beginning of his book, in Tomer Dovara, Cordovero writes, he says, we're supposed to be like Hashem. To be like Him just physically, that doesn't mean anything. First of all, He's not physical. He says the real way to be like Him is to act like Him. When we act like Hashem, then we're most like Him. But anyway, that's not close parentheses. That's not the source. That's not the source. Here is the source. Gemara says in Masechet Shabbat. Listen to this Gemara. Discussing the Pasuk, Ze Eli Ve'anvehu. Pasuk says that when Am Yisrael was crossing the sea and they were singing, they said, Ze Eli, this is my God. They were pointing, they had prophecy. They looked at Hashem and they said, Ze Eli, this is my God. Ve'anvehu. Anveu means I will beautify him. We're not going to go through that. The Gemara says an example of Anvehu. When you do mitzvot, do it beautifully. As we know, we've heard this before. When you make a sukkah, make a nice sukkah. You can get away with a regular sukkah. But if you can afford it, make a nice sukkah. Lulav na'e. Do a nice lulav. Shofar na'e. A nice shofar. Sisit na'e. Sefer Torah na'e. Fine. When you do mitzvot, even though you can get away with basics, do it as nice as you can. That brings beauty to the ones that you're doing it for. Good. That's the first opinion. Abba Shaul Omer. Abba Shaul says, you know what ve'anvehu means? Ve'anvehu says Abba Shaul. That word ve'anvehu could also be read ani an ani vehu. An vehu, ani vehu. You know how you beautify Hashem, says Abba Shaul? You beautify Hashem when you're like Him. Ani vehu, 
when you are just like him. He gives an example, like what? Ma, listen good. Mahu Hanun Verahum Af Hanun Verahum. Let's talk about Rahum for a second. What does Rahum mean? Compassionate. Here, we don't find the Gemara saying, just like he does this, you do that. No, no, no. Just like he is compassionate, so you be compassionate. This is talking about character. It's not talking about what Hashem does. It's talking about who Hashem is. This is clearly a proof that a person can change their character. Why? Because how could you tell me to be compassionate if I was born not so compassionate? Answer is because it's possible for a person to change their character. That's why the Pasuk says by Tzedakah, look what the Pasuk says. It says when Ani comes to you and he needs something, Naton titen lo. Give him. Velo yera levavecha betitecha lo. And you shouldn't have a heart that is negative when you give him. Sometimes you give money, but it's like negative. Okay, I have to give a check. Says the Pasuk, no, no, no. Give him, but don't have a negativity in your thoughts or in your heart when you give him. Says Rabbeinu Yonah, don't think when it says don't have a bad heart, it means don't have a bad heart and therefore give him. Meaning, Usually I would say, person comes to you, don't have a, don't have a bad heart, give him. The pastor doesn't say that. It says, Naton titenlo. You gave him already. Velo yera levavecha. But make sure, even after you gave him, make sure that your heart is in it. Make sure you're giving with everything you have. But wait, but I'm cheap by nature. I'm, I, don't, I don't like giving. What do you mean? I don't, meaning I would have thought the opposite. If by nature I'm stingy and I still gave, I might have thought that might even be better. Because look at me. I was mitgaber. I was such a gibor. My nature is not to give. And I hated every minute of giving. I hated writing that check. I didn't want to write it. But I went and I wrote it. Me, I would have said, that's an awesome act. The other guy who likes giving, he's giving with all his heart. He loves it. Okay, what does that count? It's like eating kimbeh on Shabbat. Well, that, that's, a, that's a big, that's a big uh, mitzvah. You love it. The guy's writing a check. He's sameah. He can't wait to give all his money out. But me, I don't like giving money. And look what I did. I gave a check. I didn't want to. I would say that is the highest level. Says the Torah, No. It's not the highest level. It may be, by the way, a higher level if you're stingy and you beat it than the guy who by nature is not stingy. That, yes. But when you give money and you don't have a good feeling when you gave it, there is a blemish in that giving. Says the Torah, make sure you fix it. It's in your ability. Don't just say, oh, I'm such a gibor, I'm so strong, I gave it anyway. Be a bigger gibor. Be a bigger gibor. Change your attitude. Become a giver. You should enjoy giving. Don't feel proud that even though I hate giving, I gave. It, it, it's, a good, 
it's a good step, but that's not the end. The end is you should change who you are. You should do it with all your heart. So clearly you see again from the Torah, Rambam, that one can change their character. Not only can, they are commanded to. We must change our character. I don't say it's easy. And that's why we need to talk about this again. But definitely it's within our ability and definitely it's something we need to do. I must leave you off with a following Gemara, which needs a little introduction. There are two mitzvot in the Torah that we'll call them sister mitzvot. They're very, they're very similar to each other. One mitzvah in the Torah talks about seeing another person who is unloading their donkey. They have a donkey that's carrying boxes. The donkey is losing his strength. He starts to fall. And now your friend is taking the boxes off the donkey. Torah says, if you see that, you run there and you help him unload his donkey. Azov ta'azov imo. Which means not only says the Hinuch that you have to help people when they feel pain in their body, but you also have to help them when they're in pain financially. So go help them. Another mitzvah. You see your friend loading his donkey. He has many boxes. He wants to put on his donkey. He's taking one at a time. Torah says, go hurry. Hakem takim imo. Go. Put the boxes with him on the donkey. Help him. He's your friend. That would apply today seemingly. If a guy's loading their car or, or unloading their car. There's only one difference from a car. In the loading, it makes no difference. Whether you're loading a car or loading a donkey. But the unloading, the Gemara talks about it in Masechet Baba Metzi'ah. That when you unload you're actually doing two mitzvot. A, you're helping your friend, you're helping him unload, but you're doing another mitzvah. Another mitzvah is, it's called, according to one rabbi in the Gemara, Tsa'ar Ba'ale Hayim, which means the donkey is suffering. So if the donkey is suffering, it's our obligation from the Torah, according to that opinion, that we must relieve the donkey from his pain. So when you go to unload, you're actually doing two mitzvot. You're helping your friend and you're helping the pain of the donkey. So now, what's the halakha if you have two people, you could only get to one of them, you can't do both. One of them is unloading the donkey and one is loading the donkey. So which one do you help? So obviously, you help the one that is unloading. 
because the one that's unloading, besides that you helped your friend, which you'll get either way, but you're also relieving the animal of its pain, and therefore that would definitely be the right thing to do, because a greater mitzvah. You're getting two mitzvot. But comes the Gemara in Masechet Baba Metzia and says something that if the Torah didn't write it, if the Gemara didn't write it, you would say, not possible. The Gemara brings the halacha lemaaseh and says, what happens if you have the choice of helping someone load or unload, the same I just gave you, except that the one who is loading is a guy that you hate. You hate the guy. Now the Gemara in Masechet Pesachim talks about why do you hate him? How could you hate him? You're not going to hate people. Torah talks to the Shaim. What does that mean you hate him? You can't hate him. So the Torah says, no, you're allowed to hate him. It's a, actually, it's a mitzvah to hate him. Why? Because he did something very, very bad, a very big avera. So he's a rasha. No, no. A rasha, you don't have to help him. Not in this mitzvah. Says the no. Only he saw him. There isn't another witness. So therefore, he would not be able to go to Beddin to declare the guy rasha. So since he's the only one that saw him, he has to keep it within himself. Because they're not allowed to believe him anyway. So you can't talk. If you're the only one who saw something, you're not allowed to talk about it. Because the other people can't believe you. So you can't talk about it. You can't go to Beddin. But you know the guy's rasha. He's not a declared rasha, but you know he is. He did a horrible thing. So therefore, it's a mitzvah for you to hate him. Good. So now you hate the guy. He's on the right, loading his donkey. Then you have on the left is the gadolador, big tzaddik from the tzaddikim's generation. Yes? And he's unloading his donkey. You know what's going on? Rasha, tzaddik. The rasha is only loading. The tzaddik is unloading. So of course, this would not even be a question. Of course, you go to the tzaddik and you help him and you help his donkey. Says the Gemara, no. Go and you help the rasha. Again, who knows the rasha? Only you. But go help him. Go help the rasha. And even though the animal is going to be suffering over there, doesn't matter. Go help the rasha. The Gemara says, come on, this is ridiculous. How could that be? How could you help the Rasha? Says the Gemara, the most amazing words. If I can get you to memorize these words, I would. They're just an Aramaic. At least part of them is. <laughs> Says the Gemara, listen to these words. Afilu achi. Afilu achi means even though you're right, that there's a bigger mitzvah over there, seemingly... You're going to save an animal from suffering, which is from the Torah. Yeah, you can't let us suffer. Afilu even so. Go help the other guy. Why? Keder lakuf et yitzro adif. Because a person to overtake their nature is greater. What does that mean, to overtake your nature? What does that mean? It means that this guy that you hate, first of all, if you're supposed to hate him, what's the problem? The problem, Tosfot says, that when you hate somebody, they, they hate you back. 
now you start hating them even more. So the hatred is going to go beyond what's allowed. Even if you're allowed to hate somebody, but there's a limit. Just because you hate somebody doesn't mean you can just go hate them. So we're afraid this guy is going beyond the limit of how much he's allowed to hate. So that's why we're afraid he's beyond that limit. So in order to control his character, in order lakuf means to bring down his character and not hate the guy, because obviously if you're going to go help him, it's going to help you like the guy. That's what you do when you don't like people. You do things for them. So that's why you start to like them. Lakuf et Yitzro says the Gemara, I want over there to go help the guy because it's going to change your nature. It's going to take your sinai, your hatred, and it's going to make it better. And that's a greater thing to do. What a hidush. The Gadol Ador is to the left. An old man, Tzadik Ador, his animal is suffering. Two beautiful mitzvot. You have this guy, his animal is not suffering. He's not a very big Tzadik. And yet the Torah says, no, 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 go help him. You know why? Because it's going to break your nature. That's even greater. Says the great of Aaron Katla. He says, but I don't understand. Isn't there a mitzvah? We said there's a mitzvah. That you're not allowed to let animals suffer. There's a mitzvah to go relieve the animal of its pain. What do you mean it's better to change your nature? It is better to change your nature. But there's a mitzvah here. When did we ever see there's a mitzvah in front of you and we say, no, no, don't do it. Says Ravan Kadla, Lava Shalom must be that changing your nature is a mitzvah. And it's not a mitzvah for tomorrow. You might say, okay, I'm changing my nature, so hopefully in the future I'll get better. He said, that can't be either. Because the mitzvah to save the animal is now. How could it be that you'll do a mitzvah for tomorrow when the mitzvah in front of me here is not being done? He says, no, must be the mitzvah to change your nature is now. You may, not re- you may not see full results now, but the mitzvah to change who you are is today. And therefore, you have a mitzvah of changing your nature that's greater than the mitzvah of tzar ba'alei hayim. That's how far this goes. That at the end of the day, at the end of the day, not only we can, we are commanded to. Not only are we commanded to, it's a great mitzvah that pushes away other mitzvot. In fact, the Midrash says in a few words, some beautiful words. The Midrash says, Tzadikim libam birshutam. Resha'im, they are birshut libam. Which means that great people, what's the difference between great people and failures in life? Says the Midrash, great people, their heart, their soul, their character is in their control. 
whereas failures, their love, their desires, their character is in control of them. So many times in life we do something, but it's not we who did it. It's our character that made us do it. We didn't say that. It was the nature in us that said it. We didn't get angry. It's our nature that got angry. Great people, they control their nature. Failures are controlled by their nature. That is the word, the beautiful words of the Midrash. So it's clear, yes, we can and we need to. And our success in life will depend on this. And this brings us to answer a very simple question because we are correlating the Amidah to marriage all along. Why, for what reason, did Hashem create this institution called marriage? Some people might answer because we need to have children. <coughs> That's a childish answer. Because to have children, the Creator doesn't need to have men and women come together. You can have children coming out of the ground like fruits and vegetables. Why do we need this institution called marriage? Not only do we need it, the Torah here tells us what was going on in Hashem's mind when He made this institution of marriage. God created this institute. He made this whole thing of marriage. He made a man and a woman and attraction and a whole... He made all that. What was He thinking? Now, by the way, Hashem doesn't always tell us what He's thinking. Not everything He made, He says, oh, let me tell you what I'm thinking. He doesn't usually tell us what He's thinking. He just makes things and you figure it out. But this one, before Hashem did it, He actually told us why He did it. It's unusual. The Pasuk says, Vayomer Adonai Elohim Lo Tov Heyot Adam Levado. It's not good. Lo Tov that Adam should be by himself. Why is it no good? What's so bad? Adam, this, this is Adam before the sin, remember, not after the sin. This is Adam that didn't have to work for his Parnassah. Hazal say he had angels barbecuing food for him. He's doing great. Everything had, he didn't have to work, everything was perfect, he didn't have a yetzerah. Well, what's the problem? Why lotov? You know, we look at it like, oh, you'd be lonely. Come on, it's Adam Arishon. Why would it be lotov if Adam didn't have someone with him? Lotov, the word tov means perfect. Lotov, it's not possible for Adam to be of perfect character. Lotov, you can never become tov, at least under normal circumstance. I can't say never, but lotov, it's not possible to be tov normally if you're by yourself. So I need to make him someone to help him, kenegdo, that's going to battle against him. What does that mean? How does marriage make a person? bring out their best character, people will say the opposite. People say, oh, I knew them before they got married. They were good then. Today, all the, all the scorpions and, the, and all the, the snakes came out. What happened? 
People say the opposite. All the terrible things come out of the person after they get married. When they were dating, they were doing great. They were kind, they were smiling, they were respectful, they were calm, they were giving, they were... After marriage, what happened? People will say the opposite. People will say that the worst comes out of a person during marriage. So comes the Torah and says, no. I said, I'm going to make him good by getting him married. What does that mean? So what is what it means. You're right. When you say the worst of the person comes out of marriage, that is correct. That's the whole point. The point is that when your person's living in the normal day-to-day life, they're considered living on stage. You know what happens when people are on stage? They dress a certain way. They look a certain way. They talk a certain way. They smile a certain way. Why? They're on stage. You know what happens when they close the stage? Take a little peek back there. They took off their clothes. They're, they're punching the guy next to them. They're, they're a different person. When you're on stage, you're an actor. When the curtains are shut, may the real you come out. <laughs> so when you live your life in public, before marriage, you think or you're at least told by others, you're this wonderful, kind, sweet, respectful, all the beautiful things. Like when you read the Yag Midot, they're thinking about you. My friend, my, my, ask a girl about her friend. Oh my goodness, she's awesome, she's the best, I can't believe it. And what happens in marriage? What happens in marriage is the curtains close and all of a sudden here they are. <laughs> now you might say, oh wow, what happened to that guy? Nothing happened to him. Till now they were acting. Nothing happened to him. This is, this is the real person. Now why is that so good? It's great. Because the purpose of life is to refine your character. And there is no better place to refine your character than at home when people see you in your real self without your ability to fake anybody. And all of a sudden, they start telling you, by the way, you know, you're not so nice like I thought. Okay. You know, you're not really so kind. I know you give charity, but like you're really cheap, by the way. And, you know, you, like, you look calm outside, but you're like a very angry person. And of course, generally speaking, people get, oh, why are you saying that about me? Everyone thinks I'm great. Everyone thinks I'm good. You only, only you think that. Everyone thinks that their spouse is the only one who thinks negative of them because everybody else in the world thinks good of them. That's true until you marry them. You have to know that. So the greatest place of transformation is marriage. Because marriage may bring out the worst in the person, but the goal of that is to help. Ezer. It's Ezer Kenegdo. It's supposed to help you by bringing out the worst so that you realize, oh my goodness, I'm not as great as I thought I was. And I have to change. Of course, if you don't have to change, 
or excuse me, if you don't want to change, or you don't think you could change, or you're not interested to change, so then of course marriage will just be one big gay now. That's all it's going to be. But if, 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 if you understand this pasuk, and if you start realizing through marriage that there are things in you that aren't so beautiful, then someone is helping you. Ezer, they're helping you. They're helping bring out the things that aren't good so that you can refine yourself and change your character because ultimately it's a very big mitzvah and a tremendous way to live life when we are in control of ourselves and our character is refined day after day. That is why Hashem made marriage. He shared this with us. He told us, let me tell you why you're getting married. He said, I want you to be tov. I want you to be great. Lo tov, and you can never be great unless you're with others. Now, there might be other ways as well. I'm not saying it's the only way, I don't know. But clearly that is the purpose of marriage itself in the Torah. Be'ezot Hashem, next week we'll talk about how it's possible to do this. Baruch Allah, Amen ve'amen.